0: Welcome to Principles of Faith with Scott Gray. In this teaching series, Scott explores the biblical truth, God's nature is good. ...is the Lord, 25, 8a. And then Psalm 34, 8, this one I, I take as a challenge that God gave us to test out and see if he's not It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in in him. Amen. How blessed. Why? Because he's good. Taste and see. Try it out. You ever went to a food tasting uh, event before? I think just a few weeks ago they had Taste of Charlotte downtown. The whole deal with that is you can, you, can, you can have a taste or a try of all these different great restaurants in town because they all set up tents on Trine Street and you can buy these little tickets and you can go to each tent and Trade your ticket for a for a sample of their food. Why you want to do that? Well, you might want to go there. Why do they do that? Because they want you. They want to advertise, so you come and eat a whole meal with them, right? And so it's it's called Taste of Charlotte. You go and you can sample all these different things, whatever you want. And then the whole idea is so you'll go and visit their restaurant, right? Well, same thing here. Taste and see that God is good, right? Hopefully that will entice you to want to spend more time with him and dig deeper. Then Matthew 7, 11, and, and And we really we read the whole passage in Matthew 7 of verses 7 through 11 where Jesus talked about if your child would ask you for bread or, for, or for whatever, you wouldn't give him a stone or you wouldn't give him a serpent. And he says, now you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Here's the comparison, don't miss it. How much more... Would your father in heaven, who who the implication is is not evil, <laughs> will give good things to you. And we celebrated that one last week because we celebrated Father's Day. And then in Matthew nineteen seventeen, Mark ten, eighteen, and Luke eighteen and nineteen, the same story where Jesus was 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 called good master or whatever, and he says, Why are you calling me good? Now, he could, have, he could have taken that and it would have been fine, but he said there's only one who's good, and that's God alone. So there's only one truly good or source of goodness, and it's God. Jesus said that himself. And then we went back the first time, and I'm just reminding you of this, we went to Genesis chapter 1, and we read in verse 4, verse 10, verse 12, verse 18, verse 21, verse 25, and verse 31, how Everything God created, when he created it, he commented on it and he said, it is good. He saw that it was good. And so everything he created was good. And guess what? Those different verses we, we, we cited there and all those times he said that, there wasn't any in between where he said, now this part's not so good, <laughs> or this part's bad, but hold on, I'm going to create something else that's good. No, he didn't do any of that, right? Everything he created he declared it was good, right? Now, that ought to tell us something, right? If you get confused about God, just go back and read Genesis 1 again, and that'll help clear it up for you. And then we read in chapter 2 how he created this beautiful garden. It was just all goodness for man uh, to live in, Adam and Eve, and for them to 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 uh, have a place to live. Um, have a family, and promulgate the human race. And it was all designed to, to, to live in this type of, of perfect situation where everything was provided. They didn't have to grow crops. All they had to do was just pick it off the trees or off the bushes. There, w- there was no work. There was no sin. There was no evil. There was no knowledge of evil. And we read how in that same chapter, God did not want them to have the knowledge of evil. Which tree did he tell them not to eat off of? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or the difference between good and bad, or evil. He didn't want them to know that. Was he trying to hide something? No, he didn't want, he didn't want us to have to deal with that. Just live in goodness. Amen. Here's everything you ever need. Enjoy one another. I'll come down every day and fellowship with you in the cool of the day, and we'll just have a wonderful life. That was God's intention, Right? But then you read chapter 3, now the serpent. And it all went downhill from there, right? And so, and you say, well, God created the devil. He didn't create him to be the devil. He created him to be the archangel who led the worship. That was God's creation. That was good, right? Was that good? Yes. yes. It was him who made a decision because he was given a will, like man. And he made a decision to rebel against God, which repurposed himself, or he changed himself then because of that, or you could say the consequence of that was he became the devil. So people would say, well, if God created everything, if God's only good and everything good, then how did he create the devil? He didn't create the devil. The devil created the devil, Okay. And everything he's done since then. Okay? You know what helps to get you thinking straight? To go back and, and really parse things out and, and think about things the way they really happen. And don't let people talk you out of things about God and about his nature and about the word of God by their philosophies and their questions and so forth. Right? I had a... Well, I'm going to get to that later. Okay, and then we read about Joseph and how all this happened to him, but God had given him a vision, God had given him dreams and all this, and even through all the things that were meant to destroy him or to stop him or to kill him, God took those things. Now, see, this is how God works. He's so good, and and when other things come into play, either you do or the devil does or other people do to you, If you'll trust God and believe Him and let Him be God, He will take those things and turn them around and weave them into something that ends up being something good. And we learned that through the story of Joseph through that word meant. That word meant, M-E-A-N-T. We said that meant God, that word literally means weave. And so God took all those bad circumstances that people did to Joseph and he took that and instead turned it around and wove it in to get him into place to become the prime minister of Egypt and save the whole world from a known world if they would, if they would come and, 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 and seek it from starvation and famine. Made the Egyptians rich, saved his own family who came from Palestine back down to Egypt to buy food and then led to him reconciling with his brothers And and getting back together with his father before his father died and all these things. And what Joseph said is, what you meant for evil, God turned to good. And so he meant it for good. And so, anyway, we read that. We read how God had a plan for the Israelites to inherit a land flowing with milk and honey. And he told Joshua all the good words that God spoke to Israel came about. Not one of them failed. And then we read... 10 different scriptures in Psalms that talk about God's goodness and how it's everlasting, it's never ending. His intention is for it to go on forever. And then I, I reminded you and or I'm going to remind you what we saw and David said in Psalm 16:2, he said, "I have no good besides you." In other words, God, you're the source of goodness. If there's any goodness in me, it comes from you. And then we looked at some scriptures in Psalm 14 and then Isaiah 54, and I where I want to start there, is I want to pick up with the one we left off with in Isaiah 54 from last week. So if you got your Bible, turn there, Isaiah 54 and verse 15. And it says there, again, we're talking about God and His nature and what you should expect from Him versus all the popular myths. I Keep thinking of that show maybe i should maybe I should join them sometime Mythbusters, and we should have a spiritual version <laughs> right huh Adam? yeah uh, you're right there's two guys right there're on that show that do mythbusters, so anyway, this is a mythbuster isaiah fifty four fifteen and God is saying here and getting isaiah to to prophesy what he's revealing to him he says if anyone fiercely assails you it will not be from me whoever assails you will fall because of you but God is saying if somebody does something bad to you that's not me it's not me and so we talked about last week when we read this how so many people have this twisted theology that everything that happens it's called sovereignty by the way that everything that happens everything if you sneeze, if you stub your toe, if, if something good happens to you or whatever, it's all from God. It's all from God and nothing can happen if it's not God's will. Okay, well, let's just analyze that point for a moment. Did the devil become the devil? We just talked about that out of God's will. That's a question. No, <laughs> the devil rebelled, right? God created him to be the archangel of worship. Right? You can read your Bible and study that all out. Right? Was it God's will for the serpent to come and lie about God's words to Eve and tell her that God... Did God really say, oh, he didn't mean it? That if you eat of this, you'll surely die? Was that God's will? No. no. Okay. So right there, out of Gen- before we even get past the third chapter of Genesis, have we already established that everything that happens is not God's will? That's a question. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So don't let somebody talk you through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the rest of the Bible and tell you that everything that happens just happens because it's God's will. We don't even have to be accountable for things we do, whether even we get saved, because if we got saved, it was God's will, and if we didn't and went to hell, that was God's will too. Baloney. (laughs) It's not true. Read your Bible. Let the Holy Spirit show you what's God's word and revelation of it. Not somebody telling you what they learned in seminary and theological and hermeneutical studies and all this stuff. It's garbage. It's not the will of it's not the it's not the word of God. And so everything that happens is not God's. Why are you being so strong on that? Because so many people are deceived. Friends. Acquaintances, people we work with, and all this. And some of us have even fallen into this camp before, but don't let, because it sounds so nice and sweet. Well, darling, it'll be okay because you know God has a purpose for everything that happens and it'll all work out. No! (laughs) You have to cooperate with God, you have to obey the Word of God. It won't all work out if you just go do whatever you want to do. You have to do things God's way. Right? If you just did what you wanted to do, would you have ever gotten saved? No. Where are you going to end up if you didn't? (laughs) Not in heaven with God, I can tell you, because the word's true. And so, don't let anybody deceive you. Right? Everything that happens is not God's will. God is saying right here clearly in verse 15, If anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be from me. Okay, You say, well, I need it in black and white. There you go. <laughs> Written from God to you. Personal message. <laughs> right there. And so to go along with that, I want you to look back in, because we're talking about the New Testament and Jesus today. And so look back in the book of Mark. Say, so, Well, pastor's getting on a soapbox. That's, that's right, I am. Maybe it'll make me a little taller. Mark chapter 3. It bothers me when people are deceived. It bothers me when people follow theology rather than the Word of God. Mark chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 22. Starting there and a few verses on. The scribes who came, who came down from Jerusalem were saying, now they're talking about Jesus. They came down, you know, they always came down to observe. They stood in the back, you know, like the theologians to judge. Okay? And so they came down from Jerusalem to where Jesus was ministering and, and, and they were saying, He's possessed by Beelzebub and he cast out the demons by the ruler of the demons. And he called them to himself and began speaking to them in parables. So Jesus said, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. If Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he is finished. See, if that was true, Jesus wouldn't even have needed to die on the cross Satan would have just done himself in (laughs) and all the evil would have been over with, right? Other than we need to be redeemed. But the point is, Satan is not fighting against Satan. He's fighting against God. Verse 27, but no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. So what's he saying here? What's he saying is, I'm not of of Satan. What what you see me doing is binding Satan. And I'm against him. Because they were accusing him of doing these things he was doing, casting out demons specifically. Saying, well, you're doing that by the power of the devil. You're from Satan. Because you're not of us. You're not with us. And so, he's like, no, no, no. If I'm casting out demons, that means I'm coming against Satan's kingdom. So, if if I'm of Satan, then Satan's against himself. Well, boy, he's going to do himself in, isn't he? No, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> I'm binding Satan because before you can go in and, and take over somebody's stuff, you've got to first tie them up, right? Cast them out before you can clean up the mess. And so that's what he's explaining that he's doing. Why, why is this important for us to read? Because God is out to straighten things out, clean things up, and to promote goodness. The devil is the one who had these people bound, who had them them, uh, possessed, and so forth. God doesn't do that. God came to repossess them, (laughs) right? Unpossess them. Get them freed. So why? Well, so then they can have a choice. Then they can walk in his goodness if they want to they don 't have to because we know that you know I think Paul taught this if if you cast out the devil and sweep the house clean if they don 't re- if you don 't replace that influence in your life with something else, that devil will come back and bring seven more yes. right but but at least it gets you to neutral where you 're cleaned up and you have the opportunity to walk in god 's goodness the The point here is. There's a difference between what the devil's doing and what God's doing. What the devil is doing will bind you, deceive you, keep you uh, manipulated by him like a puppet, possessed. God doesn't possess anybody. You have to invite him in. And you invite him in, you still have the choice to disobey him, right? How do you know? Well, raise your hand if it's worked for you. Have you have God and Jesus in your life and the Holy Spirit in you and you still have disobeyed from time to time? Yeah. He, he didn't force you. He didn't make you. He didn't make you a puppet. He made you a child. And so there's a difference here. And I, wa- I wanted you to see that. That the point is, is God's not doing bad things to people. There is a devil. And we need to bind him. Look in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And verse 54 and 55. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us? And what they saw was people, Samaritans were, um, well, you can go up and read 51. When the days were approaching his, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead of him when they went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him, but they did not receive him meaning the Samaritans. And so because he was traveling toward Jerusalem, and when his disciples, James and John, heard or saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? <laughs> How many times we feel that way? <laughs> Somebody doesn't want to do what, what God's plan is, or they want to interfere with what you know God told you to do, and you just want to call fire down on them, right? <laughs> Turn them into crispy critters, <laughs> right? But get out of your way. No, that's not God's will. Why? Because God's good, and he's a God of love, and we're living in his time of love and mercy and grace and not judgment. He's reserved that for a later time. But what did Jesus say? He turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what kind of spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Let me read that verse again. Okay? Because I want you to think about people that blame God for tragedies, early deaths, cancer, other diseases. Storms killing people and all this stuff. Listen to what Jesus said. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Okay? Jesus said out of his own mouth what his purpose, what his will was. Why do we get so confused and think, well, God had a need for another angel in heaven. Remember we talked about this last week. So that 17-year-old that, that went to that party and drunk too much beer and alcohol, and drove down that curvy road at 80 miles an hour and slammed into a tree. Well, God had a reason. God didn't have any reason at all. What did Jesus just say? What did he say? Let's read it again. I did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. If you would have an opportunity to interview that 17-year-old that went down the curvy road under the influence of alcohol and slammed into a tree you would probably, if you could pick apart every little thing that, that, that he heard or influenced him that day, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit was trying to stop him either by something he was whispering in his ear or somebody he sent across his path or something. You say, well, what if he didn't even know God yet? He's still trying to stop him. Didn't he try to stop you from stuff before you were, before you were born again? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Carl, you testified of that many times. <laughs> saved your life or talked you out of things that, that saved your life. But we don't always listen. Right? So then why, when that happens, do we want to blame God? And then in order to, to make ourselves feel good so we can still go to church and, 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 and have our comfortable theology... We come up with a reason for our wrong believing and wrong theology. And it makes us feel better. Well, God had a need for another angel in heaven. Or he knew that that through this tragedy that the gospel would be preached. And two or three would come to know the Lord. Okay, so think about that statement too. Now, I'm, I'm getting off track here for a minute on several of these things, but you hear this stuff all the time, right? Does God, is God a gambler? Does he go to Vegas and play the tables? The slot machines? Okay, so he's going to trade one for three, one for two, one for three, you know, in the end I get a better deal. Is that God? Is that the God you've experienced and you love? Is that Jesus? Did Jesus say, well, I've come to not only to destroy a few, but, in, but for, for the good of all, we'll let a few go, and I'll destroy a few. See, that was the, if you read what happened uh, leading up to the crucifixion, that was the mindset of the scribes and the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, it's like, well, hey, let's, let's sacrifice this one because he's going he's gonna to take us down a path where the Romans are going to take our power away or they're going to come and destroy us. So for the good of all, let's, let's sacrifice this guy because he's getting too popular. That's not God's thinking. <laughs> That's not God's way of doing things, right? right? So God doesn't need to kill you so that there can be a wonderful spiritual funeral and people can get saved at your funeral. Now praise God for funerals and, and, and preachers and families of those who die who will let the gospel be preached at a funeral so that those who come can hear the gospel who maybe never heard it before. Maybe they were friends of, of the guy and they were doing the same things he were and they just hadn't happened to them yet. And so praise God that, that that's grace passing them by, that they have an opportunity But God didn't kill the 17-year-old so that his three friends could get saved at the funeral. God's got other ways to get the the gospel to the three friends, right? Again, you got to get your thinking and your believing straight with the Word of God, not with what people will tell you, not with what churches will tell you, not with what, what wonderful, sweet Christians will tell you. Because I don't care how wonderful and sweet you are, if you're not going by what this says, you're wrong. Because this is God's word, not your words are God's words. And so we need to get that straight. I'm, I, I, I'm spending time on this because it's so important. I had a young man ask me just this week, where we are sitting and he, he we we're having a conversation. He knew as a pastor, which doesn't matter, but I guess it did to him. So he's like, "So you're a pastor? Let me ask you a couple questions." <laughs> and and he couched it in that he gets these, and he's he's a believer. So so I want to explain the situation, and and I, he really has a real sweetheart attitude about him. And he he's like, "I get these questions from people that I'm trying to share the gospel with, and and and." And, and they're common questions, but I get stumped on these, and then I can't, you know, I can't go any further with them. And so the one was the age-old common question is, why do bad things happen to good people? And I forget how he said it, but we kind of talked about it. No matter how he asked it, we were talking about it really boiled down to, why does God do bad things to good people or to people? And so I said, well, you know, that's a very controversial question, and it's very common, but I said, to me, it's an easy one, because there's, there's at least two, there's multiple answers to it, but there's at least two parts, and, and I, I can share that with you easily, but as we, and I'll, I'll get back to the two answers, so that it'll maybe help you too, but, um, and I'm not trying to be smart, it just really is easy, <laughs> if you know God, and so... But we also talked about as we went through that that there's there's multiple fallacies in people's believing when they ask questions like this, and one of them, obviously, one the one fallacy is is that God did this. Whatever's bad, right? That's the first wrong belief about when bad things happen to good people. Is that the assumption is that well God did it? Well, why are they assuming that? Because they also have the fallacy of the wrong theology that everything that happens has to come from God, right? We already debunked that, right? Right, a few minutes ago. Okay, and so so that's fallacy number two. And and then another fallacy is that everybody's good people. <laughs> okay, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Well, they're they're good kids, and they're all you know all we we have at this church just good kids. So what does that mean? Does that mean if bad kids came to our church, we'd kick them out the door or not let them in? <laughs> And then you get to define, well, who's good kids and who's bad kids and all this stuff. You know, have you ever heard that kind of thing? Yeah. I know you haven't because your kids are all good kids, right? <laughs> so anyway, you believe that. And, and so, and I'm not talking about your faith. You're believing good for your kids and you're believing they're going to make good decisions and so forth. And you're praying over I'm talking about people who just inherently, well, my kids are good kids, right? And, and, and everybody I know is good people, Right? You ever heard anybody say that when they're describing somebody and that they've met or that that they're in some relationship with and they, well, they're just good people. Yep. Watch it. (laughs) Right? Watch it. (laughs) Some of those good people will be the ones you've got to have the most problems with. But the fallacy about that statement is, is that what did Jesus say? We already read the scripture. There's not one good except for God alone. David, the verse we said about David, God said, said any, any goodness comes from you. There's not any goodness that would be seen in me. It's all from you. Amen. And then we know because if you, if you do have right theology and you've studied Genesis and you've studied the fall of man and all this in Genesis 3, and, and, you, and, you study, and Jesus said that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. That right there is enough to, to tell you the answer to that. There's no good people, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And from the fall of man, everybody that was born was born into sin, except Jesus, right? Because his father was the father who was perfect. And so that exempted him from being born into sin. But everybody else was born into sin. So let's let's just set the record straight from the foundation. There's no good people, right? We're all inherently evil. We were all born into sin. And without Jesus and inviting him in, because otherwise you wouldn't need him, you cannot do anything to change that. Right? So there's no good people. So all this is wrong about the question. But if you get past all that and just try to get to the answers, despite the fallacies of the question itself, why do bad things happen to good people? Well... What I explained to the young man, I said, well, there, there's, there's two major answers. There's lots of answers to this because it's a very complex question. But there's two major answers. And one of them is, there's a devil. Never heard of him. And Jesus said that he is out to kill and to steal and to destroy. And lest you get confused with the difference between him and God, Jesus went on to say in that same verse, But I am come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. So there's a difference. There's bad and evil in this world that comes from the devil. And Jesus went on, and we, I'm not sure if we're going to get to this scripture, but there's a scripture where I came across in studying this for today, that where he talks about he's, the, the, he, he's never said anything but a lie. He's the father of lies. He can't even tell the truth. And so there is a devil, and he is out to kill you. He's out to put sickness on you. He's out to hurt you. He's out to get you away from God. He's out to deceive you. He is out to ultimately kill you. He hates you because you are a child of God or a potential child of God, right? You're a creation of God, so therefore he just automatically hates you, right? And it's okay not to like the devil, too, okay? You don't have to love the devil, He's never going to repent, no matter how how hard you pray. And so, how do you know that? Go read the back of the book. I can tell you the answer. So, So, that's one of the first answers. There's a devil, and he's out to kill people, to destroy people, and to do all kinds of evil in this world. Okay? What's the second answer? The second is, we make mistakes. We do stupid things. The example I gave is if I go out in the middle of winter in a rainstorm and stand outside for hours on end and get soaked in the sub-freezing weather, I'm apt to get sick, right? I might even get pneumonia and die. Was that God? Did God make me go stand out and and stand in the rain in the 15-degree weather? No. No. I'll even do you one better than that. Was that the devil? (laughs) Well, he may have deceived or influenced me, but it could have just been me being stupid. (laughs) You know? I don't have to have been to a party and get drunk and do all this. If I just go drive my car 80 miles an hour down a curvy road, that's just called stupid. Right? And I say this a lot. I can't fix stupid. (laughs) You know? I can pray for you. I can share the word, but I can't fix stupid. And so if you do something stupid, you're, you're li- possibly likely going to have circumstances for doing that. And so that's, that's just you. And so don't blame that on God. God is smart. <laughs> God, God will try to stop you. God, God's intelligent. God's wise. He created the curvy road, the trees and <laughs> the intelligence that created the car, and He created you. He didn't create it. They all work that way, right? So don't blame God. And so, so I said, those are two major areas that are answers to your question, even though there may be many other answers in any given situation because it's a very complex question. And then, and then, of course, we have these fallacies about the question. So anyway, you know, so when somebody asks you a question like that or, or somebody literally asking you the question, not just asking about the question from someone else, you know, Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you an answer. Because as, as this young man was saying, sometimes that stumps you talking to them about God if, you, if you're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> but not knowing depends on what you know about God from His Word and from having a relationship with Him and, and your beliefs lining up with God's Word, not what somebody teaches you that may not be teaching you the right thing about theology. And so pray, but the Holy Spirit, if you really, you know, if you have a heart to to help somebody and you have a heart to listen and, and you've been studying the Word, the Holy Spirit will bring the Word and bring some words to you to help answer someone and get them to think straight and get them to see primarily the, what's the purpose of them thinking straight? The purpose is so they will see God for who He is. That they will put aside these wrong notions they have about God and His nature and, and, and have an opportunity to hear about His true nature, which is goodness. And it's not just here and there rationed out because you only got so many in life He's going to give you, right? We talked about that the first week. And then, so if too many things good happen, you better watch it. Better watch it. Something bad's about to happen. (laughs) No, 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 no. We read all those verses in Psalms last week where it says God says His goodness and His loving kindness are everlasting. They're forever. As as Jilly Bean says, and they never run out. And so you don't have to be lurking over your shoulder behind the next corner If, if you live in a blessed life. And, you, and you're enjoying the blessings of God and the goodness of God to say, What's coming up now? Better watch it. Uh, how do you answer the um, God can stop natural disasters? Well, there's a couple answers to that, <laughs> and that's a complex one, too. Yeah, it's um, you know, since, the, since the, the fall and sin came on the earth, you know, when God first created the earth, it had a it was, it was kind of in atmospherically like a bubble, like a terrarium. And it said a mist went up and came down and watered the earth. So it wasn't like rain and stuff because there was this firmament, if you read in Genesis that he created, that captured the moisture that came up from the earth and came back down and watered it. Like I said, like a terrarium. That was the intention God had for this. Now, when the fall of man happened, and sin, sin not only impacted human beings, it impacted the whole earth. Because remember, animals then started, there was death. And, and the plant kingdom, weeds, then started coming up on the earth because there was a curse that men brought on the earth, which they had, we were given authority, Adam, men, were given authority over the earth, that God created this, and then he gave, he gave the lease to man. Right to have control. Well, when men sinned, and that impact of what he did, it impacted the physical earth and the human race. Right, impacted animals, impacted the plant kingdom, impacted the atmosphere. Because when the flood came, the firmament was removed, and and the the waters of the deep came up. You can read all about this in, in the flood, and. Storm clouds formed and all this, and it rained for the first time, and it rained 40 days and 40 nights. There was a lot of moisture that went up into the atmosphere, and storms and all these things. And it has, the atmosphere changed from that point, again, it's a result of sin, and we've had storms ever since. So that's in the natural. Now there's also, we just talked about him, there's a devil who's out to kill and steal and to destroy. Now, while he should not have authority over the physical earth, by default, when men sinned, they gave it back to him. Now, we know Jesus went and defeated his power and took power away from him. But when men who rule this earth don't yield, I mean, they do yield that power back to him collectively, I believe the enemy also has influences on the the natural forces on the weather. So I'm saying all this to help get you to to... Portions of the answer, but also, again, anything we're supposed to do and behave in this kingdom of God that we now have inherited, Jesus came and demonstrated for us living under the same constraints of this kingdom of God and this covenant that we've been given by Him coming to earth and redeeming us, and now as redeemed children of God. We have the power to do the same things Jesus did that he came and taught us. What did Jesus do with the storms? He rebuked them and calmed them, right. So we have the same authority. Bingo. And that gets us back to the Adam. We to yes. But we have to use it. It gets us back to the Adam stage of things, the, the, the intended creation Although earth has changed, right? We don't live in a terrarium. We don't live in... A, some people accuse us, you people live in a bubble. Well, they really did live in a bubble originally, but we don't anymore. So it's a little different than the Adam stage because then he really didn't have to do much to exercise his authority over the earth because God created it just to operate in perfect harmony. Now we have this sin-fallen physical ball we live on called the earth that is, has had been impacted by sin, and we know that, you know, whether you believe in global warming or climate change or all this, there ha- there are influences by things that the collective human race has done to to the earth, you know, that have changed it. So, but, but the bottom line is we, we have that authority like Jesus had, and no matter how much the earth has changed, we have that authority, and as Beverly said, we have to use it now, the extent of your authority, you know, we could, you could get into all kinds of discussion about how far does your realm of authority go, is it just where you live, is it wherever, could we collectively pray for a storm somewhere else, and, and so forth and so on, I believe we can, um, but we had a storm come up at the house yesterday, all of a sudden, and I saw the clouds, and I'm like, okay, I missed a little bit of thunderstorm, maybe it'll blow over and rain, clear up, whatever, But when it, when it really started hitting us, the wind was and I saw some trees that were big trees that shouldn't be moving that much moving. I started rebuking that puppy because I'm like, I'm, these trees are not coming down on my new house <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Storm, you're coming down. And so so it did. I mean, it, it blew around a little bit, and then you know it calmed down. Now I, that, I'm nothing that doesn't mean I'm something, but it means Jesus is something, because he gave us that authority. But, but yeah, we, we, we have to use that authority, and you know, and if you don't, and every time you don't rebuke the storm, whatever, you are still, God is still out to protect you, and you have angels around about you, and even if you were in the midst of a, of a hurricane and storm or something that, that you didn't stop or couldn't stop or whatever, I believe you can be protected in the midst of a storm, and so we need to believe for that. But it's, it's another good question, and people talk about that. And people have criticized Pat Robertson for going on his show. And however you, you know agree, well, Tom, Pat Robertson or not, but what he's done that, that, that the media criticizes him for on his own show is when he's had hurricanes come into Virginia Beach, he's rebuked them in the name of Jesus. Well, what's so different than that and what Jesus did? I mean, they criticize him like he's some goofball that came from another planet, but he's did the exact same thing Jesus did. Yes, and we've prayed right here and, and for, for storms or the effective storms to be lesser. Y'all know that, and, we, and we've seen benefit. We've been, uh, you know, camp meeting over at Freedom has gone on for, I don't know, 30 years straight, 29 years straight or whatever. And because it's in September, some of those years we had hurricanes coming through. You know, they never missed a night <laughs> of camp meeting. They always just rebuked the storm. We've had some rain you know, thank God they got a good shelter that people sit under. Um, But even this last year, I think it was when Florence came through, wasn't it? They didn't call it off. Now, attendance might have been a little bit lower, but uh, they didn't call it off, and they went on. And so, you know, again, we think of those things, and the world would think that's weird, but you know maybe the right response is the one Andrew Wommack gives is well i think you're weird <laughs> because the word says this <laughs> and jesus did this and so you know while it may be there may be cultural or social pressure to not stand up for the word of god and stand up for god's nature and i'll just tell you when when this question came up from this young man there was another young man sitting to my left, who is a Christian, had probably been one most of his life as well. And so had the so would the so had the guy who asked me the question. But the guy to my left is probably a little more astute in theology and so forth and 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 so he ans- he added to the answer, well he's like, well, but also people don't realize that that some things happen because God's trying to teach you something. And I'm like, you know, we could have done without that answer. <laughs> we were going pretty good here, and not just because it, it was me giving part of the answer. It could have been anybody or others contributing. But, you know, that gets back to everything comes from God. Well, that's not true. It's absolutely not true. And so you, 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 can't, you can't mix Theology, or wrong theology, there is such a thing as theology of biblical theology, right? You can't mix man's theology with the Bible and come up with some mixture that you're comfortable with, and that be a good thing. You have to yield your believing to God's Word. Instead of, like we say often, don't let the Bible get in the way of what you believe. Instead, let the Bible be the standard for what you believe. Even if it goes against what you believe, be willing to submit and change what you've always said or believed or what grandma said when you were growing up. Bless her darling heart and went to church every day in her life and had all the perfect attendance pins all the way down to the floor. It doesn't matter if her believing was wrong, submit it to the Word of God, right? Bless her darling heart. She loved Jesus and she's in heaven today. But she could have been wrong. <laughs> you know? Maybe she went prematurely too. <laughs> she might not have lived a long enough life because she didn't believe it. Right. I, don't, I don't know whether she did or didn't. But the but the point is, don't just believe it because somebody you respected or somebody you heard it say says, well, this is the way it is. Amen. And one example of that that just comes to mind is think about what's going on with the topic of abortion right now while it's gotten worse in some places there's an unprecedented number of states that are passing laws to like either totally outlaw it or just shut down all the all the clinics by taking their license away well either way (laughs) they're rising up in boldness now it's yet to be seen how this is all going to be played out in the courts but they're they're doing it anyway and I and I saw one on I think it was social media one town in Texas, you know how some of these towns are with immigration things and saying or saying we're we're um, sanctuary cities, okay? Well, this town is declaring they're a sanctuary city for the unborn, <laughs> and they're not, not going to allow any abortions in their town. <laughs> hey, rise up, take authority, you know. We're not. We don't have to to just submit to the evil, even if it comes from the Supreme Court, right? Because why? There's a spiritual realm. There's another reality we can operate in. We're not just subject to this natural world. And so, anyway, I didn't get very far. <laughs> I got right up to the point of the new stuff I was going <laughs> to really get into. <laughs> so it. I'm not going to keep you here for two days, so we're going to have to defer it to next time. But I do want to share this one because it's pertinent to today. So just turn to the 23rd Psalm. Today is what day? 23rd. The 23rd of June. And so i got to share this one with you today. It'll spoil if we wait till next... No, it won't. But <laughs> i got to share it with you today. Okay. So you all are probably... Somewhat familiar with the 23rd Psalm, okay? And so, I want you to go down to the last verse, verse 6. It says, David David wrote this, we believe. And he says in verse 6, after he said all these things, he says in verse 6, Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Now, you have to remember what, what David said about goodness, Right? He said the only goodness that, he, that you could attribute to him comes from God, right? And then he wrote all those other psalms, or most of them that we read last week, where it says the goodness and loving kindness of God is everlasting, right? So you couple all that knowledge together, and here's David who writes, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Now the verse goes on, but what I want you to see is that word surely has a little reference note in my Bible that goes back to the center margin to an interpretation note from the original text in the Hebrew and that word surely could also be interpreted only. Now read that with only in place of surely which you can legally do (laughs) because it's the same root word and see if that doesn't help you to understand Only goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. That would be a wonderful thing to speak. We were talking about words at the beginning today. That would be a wonderful thing to speak over yourself. Right? And no matter what evil the devil's trying to throw at you or other people are trying to hurl at you, what is God's will? What what has God provided you? Well, he's provided that, that only goodness and loving kindness could follow me all the days of my life. I think I'd rather agree with that, wouldn't you? Than to have a mixture of a little good and a little bad so that I could learn. You know, I can learn. We we talked about this last week, too. I can learn from being instructed and have a teachable spirit. I don't have to learn the hard way, right? Lots of times we do. (laughs) Oh, me. Lots of times we do. Lord, have mercy. But we don't have to learn the hard way through bad things happening. We could choose to learn by being taught and having a teachable, humble spirit, right? That submits to the Word of God. Which starts off submitting to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is what Jesus, records what Jesus did and said, right? So if we submit to to those four books and the rest, we we could say only goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, God is a loving Father. He didn't just provide these things. He goes after you like you would your kids if they were getting ready. If you knew they were going off getting into some trouble, you'd try to go stop them if you could and if you knew, right? And you did when they were little kids, when they put their their hand near the burner or whatever. You say, hey, stop! Don't do that! Stop! You'll get burned! Or on a, on a wood stove or whatever. You know? Or when they were little toddlers and they go running, running by the side of the pool. Hey, stop! Stop! <laughs> and so, this is the way God is. Now, this, that verse 6 is in the same psalm and follows verse 1. What does it say in verse 1? How does it start off? The Lord is my shepherd. Okay. Now, God loves you whether the Lord's your shepherd or not. But do you know what? You can speak these things by faith if the Lord is your Lord, (laughs) if the Lord is your shepherd. And so for anybody who's hearing this or may hear this that doesn't know the Lord is your shepherd, all these benefits, this goodness, this loving kindness of God is for you. If the enemy is deceiving you and you're being defeated and bad things are happening, let's do something about it. Right. The first thing is ask Jesus into your heart and make Him the Lord. Make him Make the good shepherd the shepherd of your life that's guiding you and directing your steps. And it's a simple thing. All you have to do is say, I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead and I confess with my mouth Him as Lord. And the Bible says if you do that, you are saved. And you become a child of God. It's as simple as that. And so... That's what we need to do, is we need to be children of God, we need to be able to receive and believe, or believe and receive would be the right order, and appropriate the goodness of God that He has for us, not only to impact our own lives, but to impact those around us. And whether you can correct everybody's theology or not, and don't take that on as your cause, (laughs) If, but if somebody asked you, say, well, that's, you know, that's a good question, but, but, but and I don't, I don't know everything, I don't have all the answers, but praise God, I know some of them, so let me try to help you. And so you can help, and you can help people to understand that this word is God's word, that, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father are one, and that they're only good, and they have goodness in store for you, And if you listen and obey them, then goodness, only goodness, and loving kindness will pursue you or follow you all the days of your life. Amen? Amen. And you can live in this goodness God has. He is so good. Let's just honor him for a minute. Father, we worship you. Just worship him if you want to. Raise your hand. Thank you for joining us today. This message is brought to you by Hope Church. If you would like more information about Hope Church or to listen to more, please go to www.hopechurchnc.org. That's www.hopechurchnc.org.